Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are here. All natural, no pesticides, no artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. All right, listen, before we go any further, does rain actually help fishing? Does rain help fishing? No, not really. That it just makes old, everything muddy. When I was a kid, it was like, oh, you have to go fishing because the fish bite better when it's raining. So I guess that's a... You were at North Park yesterday, right? Yep. I was at North Park paddling on the lake, and from what I heard from all the fisher people out there, nothing was biting. In Lake, so. in lake Chocolate Milk. Yes, it was extremely chocolatey. All right, listen, lots to get to. They are the stars of the show. They are Doug and Jess, the organic gardeners, both from the trip. Doug, Doug from Everybody Gardens. Uh, uh, listen, we want to hear from you. This is a great opportunity for you to phone in because uh, many of you will not be working outside today as the rain continues. 866-391-1020 or Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdkradio.com. We have great local nurseries that are our sponsors of this hour. We appreciate each and every one of them. And we're going to start off by promoting one of them, the Sorgal family out in Wexford. We're going to give away a $25 gift certificate right now at 412-922-1020 if you are the 10th caller. And now on that note, enough of me, and let's get to the stars of the show, Doug Oster and Jessica Wallace. Well, good morning. I am Doug Oster from Everybody Gardens and the Tribune Review. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Wallace. And speaking of circles, I'm going to be there today. It's the 17th annual Everybody Gardens Doug Oster Plant Swap and Giveaway. We actually had more. I did the first two at my house, but this is going to be at Sorgles today at noon. Bring some plants from your garden, maybe an umbrella. <laughs> we'll, we'll trade a Rain them. slicker, <laughs> rain boots. We'll have fun trading, and I'm giving away. Two different heirloom tomato plants well, while they last. First come, first serve. And to tell you what, if you're going to come, be there at noon. It's a madhouse. So I'm giving away Pittsburgh's most famous heirloom tomato plant. That's Limbaugh Legacy Potato Top. It is a big, ugly, best-tasting tomato you'll ever have. And also chocolate stripes, which I gave you a couple years ago to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, be sure to bring something to carry your plants to and from the car as the parking area is adjacent to the swap. Today, noon at Sorgles, and just it is raining. Uh, what are the implications for our garden? And our, our tomatoes are planted, and it's going to be 45 degrees yep. Monday and 46 the next day or something. We are having a, a very extended April because there's still April showers, and it's already June, and it's just crazy. out. Implications, I mean... We, we talked about this last year because we had such a rainy spring. I mean, fungal diseases are a sure bet when we have this kind of weather, um, it, especially with tomatoes. We're going to have to be on a careful lookout with uh, with our tomatoes for fungal diseases. I think it's sort of inevitable in a season like this. I'm glad I still have a flat of tomatoes in my greenhouse because I'm really into the, I'm, you know, I'm always preaching about succession planning, not just tomatoes, but other things. Uh, but I'm glad I have them in the nice, warm, dry greenhouse mm-hmm. for now. I got plenty planted, but they're all going to have some kind of fungal issue. Uh, but talking about tomatoes, 
You've got a brand new book coming out, right? I do, and it's not about tomatoes, uh, but that, tomatoes but, are in it. But so. <laughs> I, I want to talk about, so the name of the book is? So I have a brand new book coming out June 11th. It's Gardener's Guide to Compact Plants, Edibles and Ornamentals for Small Space Gardening. Uh, and it is all about dwarf and compact varieties of plants. And this is a huge market right now. It's really expanding with a lot of people gardening in urban areas, a lot of container gardeners, a lot of people going from huge gardens to small gardens because they, you know, are downsizing for whatever reason. So uh, one of the categories in there is vegetables. And so I do talk about quite a few tomatoes that are compact. I mean, some of them only get eight inches tall and, uh, you know, and then and produce little cherry tomatoes and others of them get, you know, two feet tall and produce big full size tomatoes. So So, there's lots of plants that fit in that category. What are a couple tomatoes if we're succession planting our tomatoes and we don't have a lot of room and we want to put them in containers or we again we don't have a lot of room in the garden what are some good varieties what my favorite variety that is a full-size tomato on a little tiny dwarf plant is called glacier um and i got mine this year at maymart at phipps from uh i want to say it was from grow pittsburgh but it was one of the folks that sell at uh, at Maymart. And this plant, I grew it for the last two years in a little pot on the patio. And it looks like a regular tomato plant, but it's short and stocky and really dark green. And it only gets maybe two feet tall, mm. but it grew these big full size tomatoes, like, like bigger than my fist, big. And it, they were red and they were delicious and really thin skinned. And they are one of my favorites. I also like just... Um, uh, one called totem, which is another, uh, it's totem because it's a tall straight pole, but it only gets about two, two and a half feet tall and produces saladet tomatoes, saladet sized tomatoes, which are between a cherry and a, and a beefsteak. Uh, and there's just so many, there's like little tiny compact ones like tiny Tim and red Robin that are eight inches tall and get cherry fruits and they produce them all summer long. You can grow them in a hanging basket. But it's not just about tomatoes. There's lots of other stuff in the book, right? Some crazy cool trees uh, so if you have a small yard or you're growing under, you know, electric wires or you want to grow a beautiful tree in a big container on your patio, um, I talk about some dwarf and compact varieties of flowering and evergreen trees. Uh, there's shrubs in there, perennials, and then, of course, lots of uh, fruits, vegetables, and herbs as well. When's it so come out? It's Gardener's Guide to Compact Plants. It comes out June 11th, but you can order it at, on Amazon right now. I'd actually love if you pre-order because that's a very good thing for authors when people pre-order their book. Uh, and I think actually they're probably going to ship it a little bit early because I already got a couple of boxes of books arrived mm. to my house. So Exciting. It is exciting. So, you know, when every, did you just start like working a, on it? A new kid when, you know, like, you worked on it. Oh. It's not that painful, is it? No, it's not that painful. Well, actually, it's a different kind of pain, right? <laughs> um, I'd say it's it's about a year and a half from the mm. time that you begin the writing process until the book comes out. So it's quite a quite a, a long journey for a, a book, and so it's always it's always worth it to see it arrive in the mail. It's exciting. So what have you been able to do in the garden with all this rain? Uh, besides run from run between the raindrops, I finally got everything planted last night. I did my last planting. I um, you're way ahead of me. Did finished up the last few containers. I have you know my filing cabinet planters that are I are old filing cabinets that I converted to planters. They look pretty good. They need a new coat of spray paint. Yeah, I was gonna ask because uh, they they always do look cool that that first year. But yeah, yeah another another 
They're Dakota four years paint. old now. They're oh, four, four. They're four years old, wow. and they're still. This is their fourth season. They still look good. Every year, I have to clean them, and then do. I do have to put a couple of. You know, I use spray paint, so I get couple patches on there that need to be when fixed you up. plant that uh are you pretty good at alpha alphabetizing with the uh flowers in here and, no uh, i do not alphabetize <laughs> okay. but so i do i cabinet. like going for certain color schemes i try to get some fun stuff but they're in dense shade uh under our tulip poplar tree where they are there's six of them so i do have to be really careful and then of course with the deer i have to be super careful on what i plant there well you've got the deer and i've got that little rabbit <laughs> yesterday, Who knew that little rabbit would cause so much trouble? Yesterday, I sprayed everything with hot pepper wax, which is how I keep them off. After he's already eaten most of my lilies, the little ones. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know what to do. I, I want him to grow up and get a little bit bigger so he can't get in and out. It's yeah. all, you know, got chicken wire around, around. But there's always a little spot where they dig under yeah. or, you know, and I've got it buried the whole bit. But, you know, you get a few years into having that chicken wire, you know, and, and the whole edge of the garden, there's a raspberry patch. That's where it always runs to. Runs to the, the brambles. And, yeah. You know. <laughs> it's a smart little rabbit. Come here, you. <laughs> Some of your arms are scratched up. You're trying to chase down the rabbit. Oh, that's wascally rabbit. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, again, tell them where you're going to be later today. Uh, I'll be at Sorgles today at noon. It's the uh, our annual plant swap and giveaway. Come and bring some plants. We'll trade them. And I've got a couple cool heirloom tomatoes to give away, Limbaugh Legacy, Potato Top, and then also Chocolate Stripes. Today, noon at Sorgles. It's, it's a lot of fun. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Come back with more. Your phone calls in just a moment. Uh, stay with us. Congratulations to Paul of Weirton, West Virginia, winner of that gift certificate from Sorgles. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. All right, listen, we're going to get to the calls in just a moment. Uh, we got Davey Tree coming up. So what are we going to do with Matt, Matt Fromm? Oh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, certainly, we're going to talk about the rain. We're going to talk about fungal issues. We're going to talk about girdling roots. We got lots of tree questions for Matt when he gets in here. All right, up first for Doug and Jess, let's go to John Bethel Park. Welcome to KDKA Radio. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Hey, John, what's going on? Well, I got some questions about the liquid fertilizer. Uh, I've been using the Boma uh, Grow and Bloom uh, series. Mm -hmm. And I heard you saying uh, this week that you get through the season with about two of those bottles for your whole garden, and I was astounded. Um, <laughs> no, actually what I said was that a normal person could probably <laughs> go through two bottles in a season, but... Okay. Yeah, I'm going through more than that. I love that stuff. Are you using it, Jess? It's good stuff, but I actually use uh, a granular fertilizer. I use another Espoma product in my pots. So when I mix my own potting soil, I add, um, I actually like their bulb tone. I use their bulb tone in my containers. Um, I put a couple of tablespoons in each pot when I plant them. Um, and the, the reason I like the bulb tone is because it's really rich in phosphorus, which helps uh, promote bloom production. And so I do a lot of flowering annuals in my pots. And so I incorporate that into the mix and then I plant the plants and then I very seldom have to do liquid fertilizer through the summer. It's really not until maybe late August till I really need to start doing that. How much you going? How much you going through, John? Oh, bottles and i'm wondering because the directions say two to three doses per gallon of water and i mean that that you go through that really fast and then i question how much of that gallon do i put on a, uh, a plant 
You know, uh, actually, Mrs. Nodal had a, a, a good suggestion. Before before fertilizing your containers, water them first, and then put your fertilizer on. Uh, and I, I I know what you're talking about, though. I'm, I go through a lot of that stuff, too. I, I've been using it, like, in the greenhouse. I'll try and keep my mm-hmm. transplants going without any light. <laughs> yeah. I like it for seed. Like, I use it for seedlings, and I do use it for containers if I don't get to mix my own fertilizer into into it um you know then i will but i i think it's really important when you start the season to either choose a potting soil with an organic source of nutrients already in it or make your own potting soil and add that you know organic source of nutrients to it and then what happens is that liquid fertilizer only becomes a supplement that you and you need to use it a lot less often yeah, that's kind of how i use it as a supp- supplement but during the high season Maybe every other watering, mm-hmm. I'm putting that a spum on it. Man, the plants just love it. Yeah. All right. We're going to, uh, who's next? Let's go to Bill in Apollo. Hey, Bill, how you doing, buddy? Hey, guys. Hey. What's going hey, on? Uh, well, first of all, I want to thank everybody down here for getting up so early to bring this show to us at 7 o'clock. I really appreciate that. Well, thank well, you. Thanks. And uh, my question is about serenade with all the rain last year and this year so far. I've had problems on my zucchini and uh, cucumbers with what might be powdery mildew I hear you talk about. And mm-hmm. then I had it on peony plants that I keep up around the house. And I'm reading the directions on the serenade. It says best used as a preventive. But can it also be used as a treatment once you see signs of fungal disease? Yeah, it can. Um, I mean, the thing t- that you always should keep in mind with powdery mildew in particular is that that's really just largely an aesthetic issue. So on ornamental plants like peonies or lilacs, I usually don't do any treatment at all. It makes the plant not look so great, but it doesn't really impact its health. Now in the vegetable garden, I think it's a little different because the plant is expected to produce fruits, right? So there it, you know, you, that when you have powdery mildew, it does impact the amount of photosynthesis that the plant can do and therefore can impact the fruit production. So it's a little bit different in the vegetable garden. The serenade is best used as a preventative, and this would be a perfect season to use it as a preventative because we know the fungal issues are going to happen. You think that guy used a lot of grow. Why do you see how much serenade right. I'm going to have to use? <laughs> yeah, right. right. But, uh, my peonies did end up with blackish leaves on it. Okay. Sort of with black on it. Yep. So the black is, different, had, black is a okay. different black is a different fungal pathogen. If you're having black mushy or black splotches on the leaves of your peonies, that's botrytis. That's a different fungal pathogen. And that is one that you definitely, you know, would want to treat for and um, right. although my plants get them every year and I just kind of ignore it and Mine the peonies come back the next year and they're just fine. But a lot of people with the bull trade is a little more serious than the powdery mildew. But you could have both. Sometimes you get oh, the powdery yeah, mildew yep. first and then the yeah. bull I think I did. I yep. think I yeah. did. And it, yep. the thing says the mixed life of this product, you mix it up, don't allow it to stand overnight or prolonged periods. So you have to use up everything you mix right away. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Only mix what you need. Okay. And then does that mean that since it's a living organism, the shelf life on this concentrate bottle is probably only one season, you think? Yeah, I would try to use it in one season. I have had some that I've held over to the following year and it has worked. I've had no problems with it, but I do think, you know, you would want to, you know, store it somewhere that doesn't freeze, 
um, or get super hot. So if you have like a, a attached garage, that would be a, a decent place to keep it if it doesn't get real cold in there in the winter. So just talk a little bit about Serenade, what it is and why we're always talking about it. It is a what's called a biofungicide. So it's a fungicide. It's um, a fungicide that's made of a living organism that is... Uh, well, it's actually not living, but it's made from an organism, a once alive organism that's used to combat another organism. So in this case, um, you know, we're using a bacterial product to combat a fungal issue. And Serenade is Bacillus subtilis is the name of the bacteria. And it's a fermented, it's fermented and to make this product and this bacteria um, uh, impacts the life cycle of a fungus. And it is effective as a preventative. It's also effective after the plant already gets it. It will keep it from spreading, uh, which is good, but you do have to follow label instructions. Just because it's an organic product doesn't mean that you can disregard those rules. It's really important that you follow the instructions, but it's very effective against all kinds of fungal diseases. And most importantly, so safe. Uh, mm -hmm. As opposed to chemical fungicides. Safe yep. for you, safe for the good bugs, safe Safe for your microphone, you just batted away. Safe for the microphone, <laughs> safe for everybody. Your kids, who, your pets, and all that Everybody stuff. who lives downstream from you, yep. too. Except for fungus. Yes. Not safe for them. And that's what we want to do exactly. organically. We want to target so that. What'd you do with John Burnett? We had him in yesterday. Uh, okay, so <laughs> I worked with John for six, 16 years, and the thing that people most remember is every time I would have... A hot pepper on he would eat it every i had this squirrel stuff stuff on you put it on your bird seed it's a liquid and and, and he'd eat it on live tv which was crazy and it's super hot well for his retirement i i did the uh, pepper it's called pepper roulette and i knew what the sweet peppers were and the hot peppers but he picked a hot pepper and i said no don't eat it john ate it a whole habanero on live TV. on air <laughs> it was a pretty funny segment actually it was crazy. i watched it his it eyes crazy. were watering but Oh. He's, he's a pretty he was pretty brave there he was pretty stoic i tried i tried as hard as i could to, to stop him from eating that all right we'll take a break stay with us 866-391-1020 dollar bank instant access kdkradio.com spring the summer produce with joe and frank dentisi coming up next hour on the coons cooking hour then heffron tillotson your money and you and that's coons market black and gold sunday show today at 11 a.m doug and jessica teach you how to keep it green the Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. All right, listen, we're going to take the 10th caller right now to win that $25 gift certificate from the great folks at Janoski's, where everything is blooming and green right now, out in Clinton, 412-922-1020, looking for the 10th caller to win that gift certificate from Janoski's. And now it's time for Talking Trees, a service of the Davy Tree Expert Company. Well, we got Matt Fromm from Davy Tree here. And Matt, we're going to be grilling you today all about uh, what's going on with our trees. Oh First, uh, girdling roots. Uh, girdling roots. So uh, girdling roots, uh, not everybody knows what they are. Um, they're uh, basically just roots that either encircle the trunk or encircle other roots of the tree. And as they grow, they restrict, you know, the flow of water and nutrients through the tree. Um, certain trees are more susceptible to developing girdling roots. Uh, maple trees are most common. And where I typically see it is in trees that are somewhere between 50 to 15 to 20 years old uh, that may have been, uh, when they were planted, not you know planted in the, the right way or planted in the wrong spot. Um, you know, Usually there's some sort of restriction that causes the girdling roots to develop. So it could be a sidewalk or a driveway oh. or in 
you know, our soils here in Pennsylvania, typically it's maybe a heavy clay soil that restricts the, the, the new roots from growing out of the planting hole. And, w- and when you see a 15 to 20 year old tree with girdling roots, what do you do? Well, there's a couple of things you can do. Um, you know, sometimes the girdling roots are at the surface and you can actually see them. So you can, you can look at the base of the tree, maybe under the mulch and you can identify them. They can be cut out. Uh, typically we cut them out with like a hammer and a chisel or, or just some loppers or a basic handsaw. Sounds um, easy. So yeah, pretty straightforward, <laughs> but sometimes the girdling roots are under the surface. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the tools we use is called an air spade. Uh, we hook it to an air compressor and it blows, uh, you know, very, very high speed air mm-hmm. at the base of the tree. It aerates the soil and you can move the soil away and really expose the root flare and inspect the base of the tree and find girdling roots that are, say, maybe, you know, six to eight inches under the ground. And then we remove those wow. and then put everything back. So on the, on the canopy side of the tree, like what's above the soil, if you don't see any girdling roots right at the base of the tree, what are the signs above that might tell you that somewhere down below the soil you have a girdling root? Yeah, most common sign is just dieback in the canopy. Okay. Uh, so, you know, you'll see, and typically you'll see that dieback on one side of the tree. Mm. And the easiest time to actually identify them is late in the summer. So say August, mid-August, you'll actually see one side of the tree, especially on a maple tree, turning red. So the, the, the fall foliage is starting to come out early and it's only on one side of the tree. And so you'll, that's the side of the tree or the trunk of the tree where you're going to find those girdling roots. So it's like stress. That's a stress sign of stress. Sign of stress. And it's just restricting the flow of nutrients and water up and down the tree. So the furthest point from the roots is going to be high up in the canopy. So typically it'll start in the top and sort of work its way down. Interesting. Very interesting. So I have another issue I'd like to ask you about on a total different tree topic. Just you have one issue? I have a lot of issues, but the only one about trees that I want to ask you about is we have a lot of sycamores on our street and the neighbor and I were talking. um, There's a lot of them that are dropping leaves right now, which now should not be a time. And there's some of them are the leaves are turning brown. They're not looking so hot. And I know with all this rain, there've been some fungal issues. So what could be going on with those sycamores? Yeah. So with the wet weather, you know, fungal diseases uh, in trees are also an issue. And in, in sycamore, typically what we see is it's called anthracnose. Uh, and sycamore anthracnose is a, is a fungal leaf disease. Typically, when you look at the leaf, the ones that fall on the ground, the way to identify that uh, diagnostically would be along the leaf veins. When you look along the vein, you'll actually see a, a dead spot that follows the vein. Mm. Uh, and that's because after the, the fungus germinates inside the, the leaf it flows through the leaf vein tissue and so it will kill you know it has a very distinct pattern um and it can also cause twig dieback so if it's left you know to its own devices for many years you know sometimes the sycamore trees will have sort of like a a bushy appearance at the end of the of the branches because you know the smaller branches die back and then they re-sprout which brings me to another tree damage question right now. Okay. I was watching the cicadas yesterday mm. laying eggs in yeah. my dogwood tree. So yeah. can you talk a little bit for those of us that have this amazing 17-year cicada hatch, yeah. how that's going to impact our trees? Wait a minute. How come I don't have cicadas? If you come to my house, you can have them. They are so loud. It's crazy. It's crazy. Why don't I yeah. have them? I don't know. I mean, I, I saw them a few years ago down in Washington County. Yeah, that was uh, crazy. And it was it was unbelievable. That's crazy um, here, too. You should see Bill Fuller posted a picture of just thousands of cicada carcasses well, under be, his one tree. Like, I'm, it is 
Yeah. I'm between the two of you. Why don't I have I one? don't know. My friend yeah. Rebecca has them in her pond. She has to clean her pond out every day. There's just hundreds of them in there. But go ahead. Yeah. Talk about how to well, max so the So what tree. they do on trees is they, they lay their eggs in the, in the smaller fine branches towards the end. And so in bigger trees, it's not really a problem. You know, it's it's not going to look good. Mm-hmm. You know, once the uh, once the, the tissue has been disrupted, it'll take a few weeks and then the, the ends of the branches will start to sort of wilt and look brown. Um, on smaller trees, newly planted trees, it could be a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, there, if there's a heavy infestation and, you know, just because a smaller tree has a smaller canopy, so, you know, more disruption to that canopy is maybe going to hurt that small tree. So you can see the slits on the underside of the branches right. where they've laid the eggs. When you, I mean, should you just let them, I don't want to, like I love bugs, so I don't want to disrupt their amazing 17-year life cycle. Mm-hmm. Should, I, should I let them go and then prune those branches out in the fall or next spring? Or do well, I, should I just let it go and see what happens? You can let them go. I mean, the, I, the way I understand it is that typically, the, you know, those branches eventually fall to the ground mm-hmm. and, and then the larva, you know, they find their way back into the they find their way back into the soil at some point mm-hmm. um but uh you could prune them off uh mm-hmm. it, it really depends on depends on you you okay. know what you want to do i mean it, it's and it depends on your tree i mean mm-hmm. if you have a like i said you have a bigger tree pruning those out is not really going to hurt the tree yeah this is like a seven yeah. foot tall dogwood yeah uh, that wolf eyes dogwood so I'll show you pictures of it during the break. It's it's really cool to see how they lay the eggs. And I actually have a shot of the female with the ovipositor, like right. cutting the holes and everything. It's it's pretty cool to watch, but I don't want it to kill my tree. But it won't kill my tree. I just might have to do a little pruning yeah. next spring, probably. we got okay. about a minute left, Matt. Okay. What other concerns should we have with all this rain for trees? Well, I mean, I, you know, like I said, the fungal diseases are going to be more of an issue. You know, so if you have crab apple trees, if you have blue spruce, you know, blue spruce get uh, mm. needle cast, mm-hmm. uh, apple scab on on apple trees, or uh, like Jessica's dogwood, you know, dogwood anthracnose, all those different leaf diseases will be a problem, especially if it remains cool. Um, and then, you know, if you're planting trees, you know, when you start considering, uh, you know, springtime for planting, if, if you have a wet spot, the main thing is to pick the right tree. You know, some some people get you know, in the mindset of like, I want this particular tree, you got to sort of keep an open mind and, and, you know, consult with an arborist or a nursery to pick the right species of tree for that spot. So maybe a maple tree or uh, a service berry or a dawn redwood or something that likes to be in the, in the, in the standing water. Cause most trees don't really want to be in standing water. And if you did plant early and you had nice drainage soil, you look like a genius because your tree yep. is well underway. Yep. You didn't have to water it at all. Right, exactly. Yeah. All right, Matt, stick around. We might have some more tree questions for okay. you. For more information about Davy Tree or to ask what's going on with your trees, go to www.davy.com slash KDKA. And don't forget, you can always call the experts at Davy Tree at 855-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. Hey, congratulations to Edward, winner of that $25 gift certificate from Janoski's. Coming up, spring to summer produce, Joe and Frank Dentisi, Coons Cooking Hour, and Melinda will be back with local news at 8 o'clock. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. All right, before we uh, get back to your phone calls, I want to get this uh, Dollar Bank instant access message uh, to Doug and Jess. We continue now 
on the Organic Gardeners. And Matt, going to hang out a little bit longer. Matt Frome from Davy Trees. Uh, this is from Gary. He says, I have a uh, four, I have four 80-year-old beautiful giant oaks. They're all raising my sidewalks. Uh, I hate to grind the roots and replace the sidewalks, only temporary. Any advice on what I could do? What do you think, Matt? Uh, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't grind the roots for sure, uh, not on a big oak tree. Um, you either have to live with it the way it is or, or try to build a new sidewalk around around your trees because grinding the roots would be very detrimental. You'd, you would disrupt the... Uh, you know the balance of the tree that's what anchors the tree to the ground and then uh grinding them you know could open them up to the different decay fungi that are out there that decay the wood which would just further mm. you know compound the problem i've seen people do that where they have the sidewalk coming straight and then they sort of take an arch around the tree right right around the root flare of the tree they kind of make it like a semicircle and then continue going so right. i guess that's an option if you have it yeah if you have the room because uh Oaks are, this is a lesson. Oaks are not a great street tree, right? Because they're going to yeah. get massive. Yeah. I mean, for their size, they're not great, but for their hardiness, they are. Well, that, that, that's a good that's point. Why they, that's why they were, you know, so commonly planted around here as a street tree. So. Which was an easy answer for something like that, but there really, there really isn't. So, yeah. You ready? Yep. yep. All right. Let's uh, go to uh, Marge in Monroeville. Hey, Marge. Hello. How are you? What's on your mind? Well, I have a problem with two different plants. Uh, I brought home, and I brought the diseases, whatever they have, home with them. I, uh, I have two pots, identical pots, of three different types of coleus. All I did when I brought them home was set those pots inside a decorative pot. Then I began to notice that uh, on some of them, the leaves were curling in and turning brown. They are growing but I noticed that the, you know, the older leaves are turning yellow and they're falling off. The only thing I tried, I had insecticidal soap and I tried that a couple of times. It didn't do anything. Yeah. But they're not picking the disease up from any of my other plants. They're all in pots. And I also noticed I brought home some New Guinea impatiens. Those I repotted. They were growing some. The flower comes out, it's beautiful for one day, and then it starts to spot and wither. Mm-hmm. And in subsequent visits to nurseries, my daughter and I have noticed that on the plants in these nurseries, they shouldn't be selling them, the coleus, that is. So I have a problem on two different plants. I don't know what to do. Okay, so let's talk about the coleus first. Um, it is it is normal to have some amount of older leaves on plants from the inside of the plant on the bottom of the plant. They will yellow and die, and that's because it's, it's producing new foliage. It doesn't need so much of that lower canopy that isn't receiving as much sunlight, uh, so it's not as needed for photosynthesis. So if you're seeing new growth at the tips and having an occasional leaf yellow and die off, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Probably it, not a disease on that coleus plant? Or? It, well, that's what I was going to say. Like it, it it might not be a disease. It might just be natural progression of the plant. However, it could also be a disease. And what I would suspect it would be is botrytis, which is a very incredibly common pathogen among plants. And it is in every nursery. It is in every garden. It just is. And when we have wet seasons like this, this is what you'll see. It's the same pathogen that turns geraniums leaves slimy, right? And and moldy. And this there's a very common pathogen. So what you want to do is as soon as you see a leaf start to yellow and brown, 
pluck it off of the plant and dispose of it in the garbage, uh, and that will keep the pathogen from spreading. When you do water the plants, try to water just the root zone and not the upper portion of the plant. It's probably also what's going on with your New Guinea impatiens as well. In a wet season like this, it's not that it necessarily is, you know, a bad nursery or something. It's just botrytis is around. It's an airborne pathogen. It travels easily from one plant to another. There's very little, you know, you, you just it just happens. It happens to plants. It's one of those pathogens that's always around. Do you have any more good news for us? Uh, lots of good news, right? <laughs> this rain, I mean, that's the, this, it's this rain been, is, is It's a us. wet season. Yeah. So if you can protect the plants from being wet all the time, that's the best thing that you can do. When you water, water from the roots, make sure your plants have ample, you know, you, she mentioned that she just took that pot and sink it, sunk it into a decorative pot. It also may be, you know, a little bit of stress on that plant because it's not meant to grow forever in a little six inch pot. Um, so, you know, you might want to pot it up. That could be a sign that the plant's a little stressed from being in too tight of a container. It's a little root bound. So planting it up into the next size pot will help reduce the stress on the plant and therefore make it a little less susceptible to Did pathogens. you do any planting like I did yesterday? I did. I got my, well, I mentioned earlier, I got my filing cabinet planters planted and planted a little bit more lettuce and yeah, things are looking good. Remember the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live.